And welcome to the End Time Shofar channel. I'm Gerald. Today we'll be shifting gears, doing some teaching. And the teaching that we'll be dealing with, Mission Impossible, Spiritual Warfare and Missions and Evangelism. Now, I know some that are in ministry within the church that believe going out to missions is having um, fun and enjoying a new experience, enjoying a new culture, going to a different country and so forth and going out in evangelism and um, with local community and evangelizing the world and even doing evangelism and missions and all and they take it as an aspect of just in the natural and fail to realize that it is a spiritual dynamic that goes behind it it has to be empowered by the Holy Ghost when you're out ministering you cannot do it by your own strength so we'll explore some things in regards to this in regards to being spiritually empowered to do missions and evangelism and the spiritual warfare aspect now we know that Paul states in Ephesians 6 and 12 very popular scripture in regards to spiritual warfare which states for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places so when ministers of the gospel when they're going out and they're doing missions work and they are doing evangelism they're not battling against flesh and blood they're not battling against humans those territories that you go into those cities um, those countries um, certain regions are guarded by demonic spirits which are assigned to keep those people in darkness to keep them from receiving the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ so we see that Satan has a tight-knit army that works underneath him to maintain control of this fallen world and to keep people in check keep them bound in their sins keep them ignorant from the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and to keep them from really opening their eyes because it says that the God of this world has blinded them so people that are not walking in Jesus Christ that are not saved they're blinded by the evil one now of course he is the mastermind behind the world system that is Satan he is, he, as we can see by this depiction, um, having a grasp over the world and his influence is definitely being felt through all types of mediums, uh, television, the radio, the internet, um, just overall he has a profound influence over this actual world and he is the dictator of this world system now here's some of the titles for Satan Satan of course is the God of this world we can see that in 2nd Corinthians 4 and 4 also Satan is the prince of the power of the air which we can see Ephesians 2 and 2 and also he's known as Leviathan the king over the children of pride in Job 41 and 34 so 
when you see people taking pride in their sinful actions and so arrogant and so proud and so boastful that is under the influence of Leviathan, the king over over these type of people is Satan. Now we also see Satan has a certain governmental structure for his kingdom, which is the kingdom of darkness, is very well organized on how he has this system lined up and how he controls everything. He is not God. He's not everywhere. He can't be everywhere, unlike, unlike God, unlike Yahweh. So we see, again, Ephesians, um, I mean, 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. You see, he is the God of this world. And then underneath him, he has principalities, which are devils that have oversight of nations and geographic areas. So we can see certain instances when in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel's praying for 21 days. He's waiting for an answer. The angel finally arrives and says, you know, we heard your prayer. Your prayers were heard the very first day, but it took us 21 days because we were battling against the prince of Persia and it was a spiritual battle that was going on and finally he was able to get, receive an answer. Also we can look to see the next level of this structure, this next layer of this governmental structure of the kingdom of darkness are rulers or darkness of this world are demonic forces that control kingdoms and Satan's worldly business so we go on and we see powers powers are evil spirits who control people and areas and they want to possess humans now you can look for a prime example in I believe st. Mark chapter 5 when it talks about the man that had all those demons legions he had all these demons and when Jesus cast out those demons out of the man. He asked, what is, what is your name? He said, legions for were many. When he was getting ready to cast out these demons, they begged for him to, to send them someplace that they can stay in that geographic area. They end up possessing the swine in that area. They end up running off the cliff because... They were these particular evil spirits are control were controlling that area. So of course they did not want to leave that geographic location. So they said we can no longer possess this man because under the authority of Jesus Christ, because he was walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, they had to submit and they were under his authority. So they went and possessed the swine to maintain or stay in that certain geographic location that's why we have to know again scripture says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but we're wrestling against spirits so you can you can pay money for um, correctional facilities and all these other things and all and you can kill off somebody but you cannot kill that spirit that spirit's going to go into somebody else somebody that's opened up themselves um, submitted themselves to evil have have stepped onto the grounds of and the territory of Satan 
and come under submission to these demonic spirits, they're going to possess certain people, certain human beings, and maintain that level of influence in that area. So when you're out evangelizing, when you're out doing missions, you have to be able to spiritually discern what actual spirit is controlling that area, what actual spirit are possessing the people within that region. And that's one of the things when Jesus sent his disciples out in two, um, they delivered the word, but he gave them power to heal the sick and cast out devils. So um, we have to be aware that there's nothing new under the sun. When we're out and we're doing missions, we're doing evangelism, we have to follow the same protocol, the same infrastructure that Jesus set up when he had his disciples, when he sent them out. They walked in the power of the Spirit. And, um, they delivered the word, but also, too, they were able to heal the sick and cast out devils. But the next thing and final of uh, this actual power structure of spiritual wickedness in high places, which are evil spirits in the heavenlies, who have charge over religion and spiritual atmosphere. So we kind of see spiritual wickedness in high places. We look in Old Testament scriptures how when the children of Israel would rebel, they would start following all these idol gods and they would stop serving Yahweh and they wouldn't really follow him wholeheartedly. They would build these high places for these idol gods. Um, in essence, they were setting up a spiritual atmosphere. So they had a spiritual atmosphere of idolatry and apostasy. So they weren't really following um, the true living God. They weren't following the word of God. And we would see certain righteous kings would arise in Judah and they would have revival and they would tear down the high places and all. Um, this is for the very reason because these particular spirits of spiritual wickedness, they really influence religion and spiritual atmosphere. We can also see that how in some of these award shows, um, just recently we see Madonna and on the Grammys and we see ACDC started off the show playing the highway to hell, people wearing devil horns and all. They were setting the atmosphere, a certain spiritual atmosphere. So you have millions and millions of people watching this particular program of the Grammys. And they're, and actually, I said program, they're being programmed into being influenced, taking on the spirit of Satan and embracing that spirit. So again, spiritual wickedness in high places, they, they have a charge over religion and spiritual atmosphere. Now we see the different infrastructure principalities over nations and cities. We see how Satan is the ruler or he's the god of this world. So he's over everything. And then we see the breakdown on how he has his principalities that they're over nations and then you have certain principalities that are over states then you have certain principalities that are over um, cities and villages and then you have all these different things these spirits are assigned 
to a certain territory to rule over that territory to make sure that the people over the jurisdiction continue to follow a simple ungodly type pattern and that's why Satan doesn't want the gospel of the kingdom to really penetrate these areas because as long as the gospel is not penetrating this area he continues to hold these people captive now again we're gonna kinda shift gears we're kinda look at the model of Apostle Paul very fascinated on the ministry of the Apostle Paul his evangelistic work his missions work and so we'll look at some of his things that he experienced in regards to spiritual warfare um, when he was going out to spread the gospel of the kingdom um, Jesus had ordained him to be an apostle to the Gentiles and Paul did a very extremely great work in the kingdom he was highly anointed now we see his experience in Philippi and we'll look at the scripture Acts 16 and 16 Paul comes across this woman that had a spirit of divination and we go ahead and we'll read the scripture verse 16 out of Acts 16 it says and it came to pass as we went to prayer a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying so this woman had the spirit of divination and she brought her masters much gain by this soothsaying operating under the spirit of divination um, she was an oracle there in Philippi similar to the oracle that they had in Delphi um, the woman had um, the oracles in Delphi also had a spirit of Python where they were able to prophesy and pretty much in Delphi it evolved so much where it became a major banking system because all types of great people and kings would come to get to pay homage to this oracle to give money to this oracle to get a positive prophecy that they will be successful and they would give tons and tons of money which made Delphi and even Philippi these people became very rich it was not just a system of receiving prophecy but it was a money system where these people were banking on the occult spirit behind the soothsaying and divination so this woman in verse 17 she says the same followed Paul so she was following Paul and us and cried saying these men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation yes she was speaking the truth but still the spirit behind her, behind her behind the woman that was speaking through the woman was demonic it was diametrically opposed to the Holy Spirit it was diametrically opposed to light it was this woman was operating in the kingdom or darkness and then Paul says this and this this she many days so she did this many days and Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit 
I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying to these men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. So once this spirit was cast out of this woman, this woman can no longer operate in that occult spirit. So of course her masters were gaining a bunch of money all from this occult arts because it's not just money, it's the love of money is the root of all evil. So their love for money promoted this occult spirit which was bringing them much gain so much that we see now in present day um, in the entertainment industry you see a lot of these entertainers that are being influenced have are being influenced and channeling these spirits bringing their masters the the executives of their particular studios or or record companies and all they're bringing them quite a bit of money much gain but if that spirit was ever to be cast out of them they would lose a lot of their money they would lose a lot of their influence now we can also see if you go over to Acts chapter 19 um, it talks about the idol or the goddess Artemis or Diana and in, in that particular passage of scripture, Paul and them, they're doing signs and wonders and miracles there in Ephesus. People are being healed from certain sicknesses. They're putting um, their handkerchiefs and aprons on people that have diseases and evil spirits are departing. And also in regards to this, it talks about the sons of Sceva, how they try to operate using the name of Jesus with no authority because they were not saved. So they said, okay, we can go ahead and try to cast out spirits by using the name of Jesus, even though they hadn't been born again, even though they weren't in the actual um, camp of our Lord and Jesus Christ. And the spirits says, Jesus, we know, and Paul, we, we know, but who are you? So we have to know when you're ministering the gospel, you have to go in the name of the Lord. You can't go within your own strength. You can't go in your own name because these spirits are really aware. These demonic spirits know who is submitted to the Lord and who's not. And they recognize and they're able to discern, are you coming in the power of the Holy Ghost? Are you just coming and your own name so these spirits end up beating up the sons of Sceva so much they beat them out of their clothes and the people they see all these different things that are taking place and eventually what they end up doing is in verse 27 it says so that not only this is our craft is in danger this is the people, the men at Ephesus see that the craft's in danger. And they go on and said that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed. 
whom all Asia and the world worshiped. So all of Asia and all the world was worshiping Diana. It was the center of of occult type practices and the worship of this goddess, which included astrology, witchcraft, abortion, homosexuality, all these things encompass. And we see how the people were so much drawn by Paul and his ministry, Paul and Barnabas, that even in verse 19, Acts 19 and 19, this is why these men were so upset because the influence of Diana was, was being overturned by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And verse 19, it says, and many of them which also which used curious arts brought their books together and burnt them before all the men and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver so all these people took their occult type books and brought them to the middle of the city and burnt them this is like lots and lots and lots of money um, this is like people who just say, for example, who once fans might have been listening to Beyonce and the minister of the gospel comes, delivers the gospel. Um, they come to the light. They're like, wait a minute, you know, listen to Beyonce and Katy Perry and Kanye West and all these different artists are having a bad influence on me. We're going to go ahead. We're going to we're going to burn all of our CDs. We're going to delete everything that we've downloaded onto our iPhones and our iPads and 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 we're no longer going to listen to this music. We're going to stop following them on Twitter. These are the types of things that have have an impact economically because these people are consuming not just the music, but economic wise, they're consuming their dollars and dollars into these people. So um, that's kind of like the example. Next, we can see in Corinth and Ephesus, the god Dionysus was Dionysus was the god of wine, prophecy, and homosexuality. So, these particular gods and goddesses had a stronghold over these cities. So they were worshipped. Um, they influenced. Um, how society acted in certain ways and how the customs and the actual culture of the people. So again, the spirit behind these actual gods and goddesses, they were actually not really gods and goddesses, they are demons and being worshipped in these different statues and all. So it's a spirit, it was a spirit behind these different statues that were motivating these people and had these people held captive because they were in darkness. We also see in Corinth people worship the god Poseidon. So Poseidon was worshiped and we'll go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 And then we'll look at a few passages of scriptures because 
and Corinth, some of the women worshiped Dionysus, um, some of the men worshiped Poseidon, so it was some gender bending also too, which Paul discusses in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to look at verse 6, it says, For if a woman be not covered, let her also be shorn, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. I'm going to drop down to verse 14. It says, Doeth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? So Paul's asking this question. So we see that some of the female worshipers, I believe, uh, Dionysus were shaving their head, taking on the role of a man, and some of the male worshipers, uh, Poseidon there in Corinth, were wearing their hair long, wearing veils, acting very feminine, having an infeminate type spirit on them. So it was role reversal. It goes back to the Old Testament scripture of Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. It says that a man should not take on an appearance of a woman and a woman shouldn't take an appearance of a man because certain Canaanite religious practices, they would go into these temples of Baal and Asherah and men would dress as women, women would dress as men, and they would engage in a lot of perverse sex. So we see Paul being the apostle sent out to the Gentiles. He's dealing with this. Um, goes back to scriptures. Jesus says, whatever you bound in heaven shall be bound. Whatever you loose in heaven should be loose. Um, this is talking about he had authority because he established these churches. He was overseeing these churches. So He's binding and loosing. He's setting the framework on how they should act accordingly to the scriptures, how they should be obedient to the Lord and no longer walk in darkness, no longer follow these ungodly practices that they were practicing in Corinth. So he brings correction unto them. Now we see the idol gods are really demon spirits. We can see that. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, and Deuteronomy chapter 32 and 17. So Paul in the reality of saying these idol gods that you're following, that you're worshiping, that you adore are actually demon spirits. So he's just keeping it real. He's keeping it 100 with them. The people there in Ephesus and Corinth and all the different places that he would go and minister. And so when Paul would go into these different Gentile regions and all, of course, he was not wrestling against flesh and blood, but he was wrestling against demonic power. So he was able to deliver the word of God and bring them into the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and bring them into the light and take them out of darkness. Now, again, we'll go ahead and shift, shift gears because 
we looked at how Paul was was a good example of how we should kind of follow principles of missions and evangelism when it comes to terms of spiritual warfare. So we'll move on and we'll look at 21st century principalities over cities, states, nations, and continents within this current century. Now we see um, Book of Revelation says that that Satan took at least a third of the angels. So it gives you a total breakdown of Satan or Lucifer. He fell, takes a third of the angels. So um, again, we already established how he has his governing structure set up with principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places that are set up in this world system to maintain this evil dictatorship. Now we'll look at an example of the continent of Africa, the ruling principality of Africa. Now this ruling principality over Africa is Kismiris, which is the black horse that rides all over Africa. This demon Kismiris or Chimeris in demonology is the principality in Africa that rules over all the spirits there. So this particular um, Chimeris is rules over all the different spirits there in Africa. So when you see all the wars, all the tribal conflict that's going on, all the famines, uh, the death and pestilence. Um, you see Ebola. You see you see AIDS going on. You see all kind of different things that are going on. Is the ruling actual spirit is Chimeris rules over the whole entire continent of Africa. It said that Chimeris rides on a black horse. So when we look at the Book of Revelations. The black horse is symbolic or represents the apocalypse, which represents famine, hunger, disease, and economic breakdown. So we see in a lot of African nations when they try to become stabilized and all of a sudden um, something breaks out, war breaks out, um, famine breaks out, hunger, disease, um, economic breakdown the inability in some nations to remain economically sound, economically stable, because the principality of the continent is influenced a lot of these nations and has a strong call. So when people begin to come to Christ, begin to realize, begin to fast and pray and and the movement of the Holy Holy Ghost, because Jesus said that the Holy Ghost will lead and guide you in all truth. When people are walking in spirit, they're empowered to overcome these things. So we look at Ken's mirrors. We can look at certain examples, top level satanic leader Anton LaVey places Ken's mirrors in his list of infernal names. Um, this is also Ken's mirrors is mentioned in Aleister Crowley's book. 777 and then 
the grandmother or founder of pretty much um, a lot of the New Age movement that we see, H.P. Bolvansky, and her book, The Secret Doctrine, talks about Kazmierz. So we see how even in very, very much in the occult world, these three individuals, LeVay, Crawley, and Blavlansky, are well-recognized in that particular world and had several writings that occultists to this day still follow mention Kinsmeris. Now, we looked at a continent, Africa a continent. Let's move on to nation. A couple of years ago, um, the spirit of suicide hit the nation of Greece. Now we see how when Greece several years ago began to undergo, back around 2012, began to really undergo economic crisis and economic collapse. It caused many members in their population to really have a faint heart and start committing suicide. And they had at one time they had one of the lowest suicide rates in the world, but due to the fact that their hearts begin to fail them in regards to the economic challenges and all because they trusted in economics, they trusted in money versus the trusting in God, then they felt susceptible to this spirit of suicide begin to overtake the nation. Since before the economic crisis, there was a suicide rate of 2.8 per 100,000 inhabitants. But since the first half of 2010, suicide rose by 40%, according to the Greece, Greece's health minister. Not only is suicide on the rise in Greece, but attempted suicide, antidepressant drugs, and psychiatric care have increased by alarming rates. So we even look and see in the book of Revelations, it talks about one of the things that's going to increase in the last days is sorcery. One of the root, one of the Greek words for sorcery is pharmakia. So people are taking antidepressants, illegal and some legal drugs can open you up to demon spirits. We hear about people taking some of these antidepressant drugs they begin to hallucinate, they begin to see things and all, they begin to even become, um, it's supposed to keep them from being so depressed and not suicidal, but a lot of times when they're taking some of these antidepressants uh, um, medication, it heightens what they already have, and again, they're hallucinating, and what they're seeing, they're seeing demon spirits and all these different things, their, their minds are being controlled. So, we see a shift in People were fine when the economics were stable. The minute economics became unstable, instead of really, again, having a foundation in Jesus Christ, their foundation was money, was rock, then, you know, they wanted to kill themselves. They, and to kind of subdue the things of being depressed, they wanted to take drugs to calm it down. And that's why we have to be so adamant uh, spreading the gospel and really focusing on missions and evangelism. Now we see the Prince of Suicide 
It's the angel of death, which is Azrael. Uh, you may ask, who is Azrael? The actual name for Azrael is the name of Lucifer's personal death angel. He's also portrayed as the archangel of death in some extra biblical traditions. And we see the truth about Azrael in regards to the Smurfs. Years, years ago in the 1980s, um, Rogamel, which was a wizard, um, the cartoon, pop, very popular cartoon, the Smurfs had a cat named Azrael. Now, the people that create these shows, write these shows and all, they know exactly when they're placing names and having certain occult rituals that go on. And even in these cartoons and certain names and certain symbols and all, they know exactly what they're doing. But Azrael, we find out, is a name for a demon. It says when a person is demonized and they want to commit suicide, they call on Azrael. And unless you were well versed in demonology, you would not even be chosen that name or even really know that particular name. The names for these characters are not made up. They come from demonology and the occult. We find this in 14 Things, which is whole parents never to find out on page 73. So this spirit of suicide has a spirit assigned to it. It's Azrael. It's Azrael is one of the spirits that is known to bring suicide upon people. Now, we looked at continents. We looked at actual, we looked at continents. We looked at nations. And let's look at certain cities. We'll, we'll come bring it down here into America. The prince of the city of New Orleans is Baron Samadhi or Baron Saturday. Now, we've seen this particular character made kind of popular in James Bond movies. Even if you go on YouTube and you look up uh, the actor, Nicolas Cage talks about his nouveau schematic acting um, mythology that um, he uses this method or his method, nouveau um, schematic method of acting where he channels different spirits to take on a character. Um, when he did the movie Ghost Rider, he took on the persona to really get into the character Baron Samadhi, and he put on dark makeup and and did all these different things, white makeup and dark around his eyes, and he took on this actual spirit to become so intimidating, so imposing, and he was channeling the spirit to really get into that particular character. So um, Baron Samadhi or Baron Saturday has a very profound influence over the city of New Orleans. Now, voodoo and homosexuality reign in New Orleans. The city of New Orleans is famous for witchcraft, and which is voodoo, and was ranked by homosexual publication in Advocate Magazine in January 2012 as the 17th ranked gayest city in America. So, 
New Orleans is known for voodoo and it's known for homosexuality. Many call Beer Samadhi, aka Saturday, the god of voodoo in New Orleans, or the god of New Orleans. So he's known as the actual god of New Orleans. Samadhi is known to be sexually perverse and obscene and be full of debauchery. And he's also known as the god of the dead and magic. So Baron Samadhi is known as the god of dead of the dead and also magic. So even when you go down there to New Orleans and you see the different things that they have going on, Mardi Gras, you see all these aspects of this particular spirit that's influenced the people that's driving the people um, you see this in the celebrations and the things that they're doing samadhi is depicted as wearing a combination of men and women's clothing of black and purple the baron is known for his sexually suggestive movements indicating a desire for anal intercourse so we see this that Baron Samadhi is not only the god of, of the dead and magic, but we see how he's depicted, where he's gender bender, where he wears um, he's a he's a he's a type of god that is kind of androgynous, just like the Baphomet. Um, he wears both the combination of men and women's clothing, and again states his actual movements indicating that he desires to be sodomized we'll move on to another principality that has arisen in mexico which is santa marata which is the goddess of of death and the dead in mexico um i believe it was a movie that came out a um, kids movie came out several months ago book of life and the main goddess that's actually worship is Santa Morata. Morata. I guess I am saying that right. Santa Morata can be traced back to the Aztec goddess of death. The current Santa Morata veneration can be traced to the 14th century Aztec civilization worship of the goddess of death and later to the 18th century Spanish colonial period when there was local devotion into Santa Marta. Social scientists became aware of the local largely underground worship of Santa Marta. Santa Marta remained an underground figure for decades appealing predominantly to the rural and marginal groups but it was in 2001 the first public shrine to Santa Marta was unveiled there in the neighborhood in Mexico City and this goddess is actually becoming quite popular she's quite popular with Mexican drug cartels worship her in their beheadings Beheadings like the ones we see the cartels doing were part of the ancient Aztec human sacrifice rituals. Um, ordination 
of death and the use of witchcraft have been practiced in Mexico for longer than anyone knows and they're regaining popularity. So um, this certain practice of beheading and human sacrifices are starting to have a revival and becoming quite popular. Human sacrifices sometimes offered to gain the favor of these idols are these demons. Demons love blood sacrifice. They feed off especially the blood of innocents and it opens up even more demonic power. So these drug cartels have been known to offer human sacrifice because they believe that these gods give them supernatural protection. So a lot of times major media won't state that as the case but in reality when you're seeing all these mass murders these cartels do these mass murders of a lot of these people and all in reality there are actual human sacrifices to give them demonic favor um, in regards to the money and supernatural protection that they believe that they're receiving by these demon spirits we see several examples of how people gain favor from Santa Morete. We see this example, King Misha of Moab sacrificed his oldest son to gain favor, the God of Chemosh, to overcome Israel in battle. And we'll go ahead and we'll read that portion of scripture. Second Kings um, chapter 3, verse 26 through 27 says, And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too sore for him, he took with him 700 men that drew swords to break through even unto the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his eldest son that should have reigned in his stead and offered him for a burnt offering up on the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel, and they departed from him and returned to their own land. So Israel couldn't overcome when King Misha sacrificed his oldest son, he gained demonic favor from the god of Chemosh. And the battle was going against him until he offered his son as a sacrifice. And all of a sudden, the people, the armies of Moab, received all this demonic favor and end up turning back the armies of Israel. Number one, Israel, Ahab, and them were outside of the will of God. Um, they weren't walking obediently. They weren't following Yahweh. Um, they were worshiping idol gods and they weren't serving the true living God. So of course, the enemy was able to overcome them. So we wanted to make sure, scripture says, First John 4 and 4, greater in he that is in us than he that is in the world. So you're walking obedience to the Lord and you're able to overcome the enemy but when you're walking in disobedience and outside of the will of God you're unable to conquer your enemies mission impossible to do the impossible by the power of the Holy Spirit and some of the things um, those who are into missions and evangelisms Number one, confirm your faith in Jesus Christ. Find that in Hebrews 3 and 1. Number two, you have to walk in humility. So you have to really walk God 
gives he resists the proud and he gives grace unto the humble but you can find that in first peter chapter 5 verses 5 through 6 third thing you have to be led and walk in the power of the holy spirit acts chapter 1 verse 8 romans chapter 5 verse 20 romans chapter 8 verse 14 and then one of the fourth things you have to be able to do when you're doing missions and evangelism or evangelistic type ministry you have to move in spiritual discernment second chronicles chapter 18 verses 18 through 22 first corinthians chapter 10 verse 10 and acts 16 and 16. next thing you have to be aware of satan's devices 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 and 6 our weapons in spiritual warfare are not carnal but spiritual 2nd Corinthians 10 chapter 10 verse 3 through 6 so you have to make sure that you're not operating in in carnality or carnal type weapons but they are spiritual Next thing is know that you have a spiritual authority over demon spirits. Luke chapter 9 verse 1. Next thing is you have to walk in holiness. Isaiah chapter 35 verse 8. And very last thing, arm yourself with the word of God and prayer. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 through 18 so if you're operating in ministry in regards to missions and evangelism um, just remember your mission impossible you're able to do the impossible by the power of the holy spirit so we wrestle not against flesh and blood but we wrestle against we're fighting against high power dark demonic spirits but we're able to defeat the enemy if we're walking obedience to Jesus Christ um, keep up good work if you are into um, the ministry of being evangelistic our missions take this hopefully this will equip you or, or even if you're looking into going into missions and you're looking to further develop evangelistic ministry um, take this teaching as something that will equip you um, into the years to come god bless